Hello, we're back. It's four four brew. It's Jim, Matt, Ivor. Yeah. <laughs> a whole week off. Seamless as ever. Doing. <laughs> it's not like riding a bike. This podcasting, you do you do forget how to do it. So for the first sort of twenty minutes of last recording, so two weeks ago, James had forgotten to wear his headphones until yeah. he had to go and lock his door because he realised he was home alone and didn't really fancy someone coming into his house unannounced. Yeah, Not not because he was worried about being burgled, but because he was worried about someone finding out he did this podcast. <laughs> yeah, probably. So yeah, for, for the first, like, I don't know how long it took me, about 45 minutes, the first 45 minutes of me editing was just going through James's first audio file muting every point which he wasn't talking for to remove the background. Which, to be fair, because it's James, would have been quite a lot. Yeah, time. it was, fortunately. Uh, now that he's, he's back at uni, so he's, he's keeping quiet. Yeah. Doesn't, want to, doesn't want to talk too loud or too often in case his housemates get suspicious. Exactly. But no, so so I'm, I'm glad Ivor's realised that he's messed up his recording extremely early. Yeah, no, that, that as a as the former editor, that is handy to have that information straight away. I'll count you in because I can't hear your counting on our recordings. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> are you ready? Whoa! What the man? God! God! Oh, yeah. You know that bit in Bill and Ted where they just like appear. No. In like another country. <laughs> Whoa, dude! Where the fuck's happened, man? I feel like that. <laughs> you fucking clown. <laughs> right. No, I, I connected then. Just like I saw the, I've got the voice note thing up on the, on the left, and I just heard like I saw like a lot of lines going up and down, and I realised just I was not speaking. <laughs> <that much. laughs> um, drinking. Yes. I assume we are. Either I can see you taking a picture of something. Is that your beverage for this evening? It is indeed. You see, today. Guys, it's a very special episode, and, you know, this is episode 28, you know, Kurt Cobain lived for one fewer years than that, so, to commemorate, to commemorate, I've gone for a very special drink, and I've gone back to the roots, and that is Galahad. Oh, it's Galahad! Right, I, um, because Snapchat's down, I've not been able to send you a picture of my beer, but I've, I've gone back into the, the... Muddy waters of stout, which I don't usually like. Um, but I've got myself a Shindigger Brewery La Vida Coco Coconut Stout. Mm. Yeah. Very Intriguing. nice. Um, I am drinking a a beer from from that well-known purveyor of quality beers, Moonpig. Which was sent to me on my birthday by my father. It is, he claims, a personalised beer name. I believe he has bought me a Father's Day beer because it's called Dad's Ale. It's by Hogsback Brewery and it's it's available on Moonpig and I assume only on Moonpig. Um, it's, it's a hoppy golden ale and it says, Have a great day, Dad, on it. Football. Yeah, wet start. Many things have happened since we last recorded. Um, COP26 degrees. Yeah, that's, um, that's very relevant to football. I mean, it actually is, as Spurs v Chelsea was the first uh, carbon neutral game in the Premier League. So was, that was so long ago. Well, it's been the entire international break, apart from 
there's another round of fixtures tonight since yes. we last recorded. Mm-hmm. England obviously therefore have played twice, although they have. I would say they were nowhere near the biggest stories of this international break, the England games, but I guess should we cover those semi-quickly first? Yeah. I mean, oh, no one cares about England. Oh, Can okay. I cover it? So <laughs> England emphatically ended their uh, group stage World Cup qualification by beating the proud nation of Albania 5-0 in a very, very confident performance. And then, you know, in a quite a tough game later on, they narrowly beat San Marino 10-0. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, I think they were disappointing in the second half of both games. No goals in the second half against Albania. Yeah. Despite scoring four in the second half against San Marino, I still think that was disappointing considering that they'd scored six in the first half and that, what was it, halfway through the second half, San Marino went down to ten minutes. Yeah, but a lot of changes, though. Yeah, but I, I'd still hoped for a 12-0 victory, to be honest. Mm. I mean, I'd also like to... I don't, I was hoping for a 13, to be honest, because Tammy Abraham had two goals... No, um, he had two goals He had chalked one off, chalked right? off and one Bellingham goal was chalked off, but it was for a Tammy Abraham that, yes. incident. But... I'd, I'd argue both both were perfectly fine goals considering the San Marino defender tried to do a front flip and just failed for Tammy's header and then just fell over for the other one. Yeah, they yeah so I think, they, I think they should, both should have been given. But in fairness, it's, but, not like, it's not like England needed them. I think one of the commentators at the time said that the referee had done more to defend San Marino's yeah. net than any other San I was leg- I legitimately had. thought that he was looking out for them. After the seventh goal, does it really matter? No. No. I think... I mean, also I'd like to, you know, I wouldn't say criticise, but at least commentate in Gareth Southgate's impeccable uh, substitute coaching. Yes. Where, having, having a chance to break the, the record, you're already broken the record England win, but break the record defeat for San Marino, which is thirty a 30-0 loss to Germany. He chose to bring on John Stones for one of the forwards, which Yeah, I think that point no was sense. just managing minutes. Because... Mm. At that time, he already had a sort of fairly standard-looking back four, but with Reese James in front. Yes, he was playing. Yeah, he was playing. He, played, James he was holding midfield, midfield right? with yeah, Gallagher right. and Bellingham either side, and then a, in a four-three-three. Then Stones came on for Kane, maybe, and joined the back three then to make a five-three-two with Saka as a forward, uh, which I think is not one of the many positions he has played and Reese James still in the middle of that midfield three it's quite a defensive outfit for yeah. playing Sam, a 10 man San Marino yeah. yeah but it is also one of those games where you can just you can play people out of position yeah. you can fuck around with you can bring Ramsdale up and put him in put him in central mid if you want to because I mean what have you got to lose really so I did think it was promising um, given that we all know well following the Euros uh, how much Southgate likes to revert to a back three slash five in the the sort of crunch games. It's it's good to see that we can use that formation and get results against the lesser teams. Anyway as Matt mentioned, England not the most notable story Yeah, a lot of um, stories coming out of this series of European qualifiers, right? Yes, I assume you're referring to Portugal and Italy. Yeah, in particular. Two notable poor performances, both of whom have not, as it stands, automatically qualified for the World Cup. Yeah, so they're both having to go through the qualifiers on the same level as Scotland. Could you believe it? Mm. 
But Italy having just come off of a Euros victory. Yes, they, of course. Quite frankly, didn't deserve. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, that's not the only place where Scotland are relevant because obviously they secured themselves a home first leg, I believe, in the qualifiers or something. I mean, they're, they're guaranteed to go through, but I think the... Positive result they got against Denmark. Especially considering Denmark hadn't lost and also hadn't conceded. Yeah, exactly. They ended Denmark's uh, 100% run, which was the only one remaining in qualification, which I thought was amazing. Uh, it didn't look like Denmark had their absolute strongest team out, but still a surprise nonetheless, especially as the goal machine Lyndon Dykes was out for Scotland. Oh, devastating. I don't know how I'll cope. They're, they're a little bit of a dark horse, this Scottish team at the moment. Um, were we not I all think... saying that at the Euros? Mm. I can't remember. No, no I think we're, we're saying they've been a horse had been like tripped over and was about to be shot. <laughs> no, I think, I, I mean, if they qualify for the World Cup, I still would expect them to do well, but I think they are, I think they are better than Scotland's footballing history would, would have you believe. So they are flying slightly under the radar just because Scotland don't have a history of playing good football. I'd just like to point out as well that Scotland do have a world record to maintain if they do get into the World Cup, and that is uh, most World Cups qualified for without getting into the knockout round. Really? Do you yeah, know who they think they've got the, they help or beating? I I don't know, but they've got to just you know secure the secure the lead. Wait, I'm going to Google that. <laughs> Sorry, I'd like to bring back to my prior point. Scotland yeah. have in fact got to the group stage eight times without progressing, and it is it does remain a record. It's been held since 1998, so hopefully we can make it nine, baby. <laughs> Brilliant. I don't know, I think it's, it's got Scotland have got a very good chance of getting to the World Cup as long as they don't face Italy or Portugal. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I'm not familiar with how the qualifiers work. Given how they've been at the moment, what was it? Was it Portugal that drew new nil nil with Northern Ireland? They did, and they also drew. Yeah. Um, Scot- and they also the game dominated. Scotland are Scotland are better than better than Northern Ireland. What was the? You said the qualification process. Yes, I don't know. I don't know how many fixtures are in the final round, and therefore how likely or unlikely it is that Scotland would face Portugal or Italy. Each seeded team plays a non-seeded team. Yeah. And then six teams play in three games. The winners of those three games are the three that qualify. Okay. Um, Norwich have got a new manager. After, in fact, Dean Smith must have still been at Aston Villa last time we recorded, wasn't he? That was, um, that was less he than was. Quite possibly, ago. yeah. Yeah, so since we last recorded... A Dean lot of Smith, managerial changes. Yeah, so Dean Smith less, left Aston Villa and was replaced by Stephen Gerrard. Who has not yet been replaced at Rangers? No, Frank Lampard's up to second favourite in the odds. I think. I, I believe uh, Jermaine Defoe is currently yes. helping manage, but been a bit of a mar- managerial merry-go-round, if you can yes, say. Yes, because Lampard was also in line for the Norwich job, and I read conflicting reports. Some said that they didn't offer it to him. Others said that he pulled out. Yes, mm. I saw he one saying out. that he pulled out. I'm amazed at the haste and keenness with which Dean Smith has taken this job. Well, I think in the statement, didn't he say something about being keen to like stay in it and not... Oh, I've not read the statement. His... He didn't want to lose like the momentum, maybe, that he felt he had. That's Yeah, momentum will do. I was going to say match fitness, but he's not a player. The managerial equivalent yeah, of match fitness. Yeah. I thought it would be quite, quite a good job for and him, to be And to be fair, honest. yeah, he is no stranger to the championship, so even if they do, as we will all be expecting, no doubt, get relegated... He yes. is um, a 
a good option for them to have to bounce back, which was what we were saying, I think, on the last episode, maybe, about, like, they wouldn't want to get rid of Daniel Farker because they oh, would yeah, want... Oh, yeah, of course, was sacked since the yeah. last episode as well. And they, they would want him to be uh, with them were they to need coming back up. Dean Smith is another manager who's got good pedigree in that regard, so it seems mm. to have worked yeah, out well true. for them. But yeah, it was a bit... I mean, if it, if it was your ex, you'd be a bit annoyed that they had moved on to someone new that quickly. Yeah, you'd be a bit suspicious. True. But... Although I doubt Dean Smith was giving Norwich a cheeky wink whilst he was at Aston Villa. <laughs> no. no. I mean, I, I think it's a good appointment, but it, it's not. It's definitely an upgrade in Fark, who looks like Wagbo. But <laughs> if you know... If, do you know what I mean? No, we covered, the, we covered this last episode. <laughs> but I'm bringing it up again, because he really does. But... Uh, I think it's a good appointment, but I think it's important to bear in mind that Dean Dean Smith has had Jack Grealish for two seasons prior, and although you know it being questionable whether he should have been fired or not, he has lost what eighteen games in twenty twenty one. He can't really coach the defence, which I think Norwich need quite a lot now. Uh, and then also uh, the season where they stayed up by the skin of their teeth, they they only hmm. stayed up yeah. because uh, goal line technology stopped working. And that's the only reason. So I, th- I think it's difficult to say it's a huge upgrade in Fark, but I think it's a good appointment. Yeah. Was that all the managerial merry-go-round? Well, there's been a bit more. No. Oh no, Barcelona. Yeah. Xavi's been appointed. Yeah. He must have. I don't know what like crazy deal he must have brokered <laughs> to accept it, because he that job would be available to him for the next ten years. Yeah. But have you seen what he's like, got he, to work he, with this window? He's a, I think ten million euros is all well, they're giving him. <laughs> Steady on, Tiger. I read today that they're obviously mainly targeting free transfers, but also that they will do whatever it takes to get Mo Salah. Yeah. Apparently they're, yeah, willing that, to, that. they're willing to take Mo Salah, whatever it takes, all costs going towards Mo Salah and everyone else free transfer. But um, didn't I also read he's keen to bring over a few of the people from his former club? You're joking me. Yeah, I read that he was keen to bring a few of them with but him. I, so I heard that his club's... well former club side is basically the Qatari national team um, which is why they're so clear at the top of the league because there's certain quotas for overseas players in your starting 11 and squad so basically they all have to have a full Qatari squad and his team was just the full national team so obviously better than all the other teams in the league but basically what I'm saying is I'd be surprised if a Qatari national player because none of us have heard of any of their players, have we? Um, would make it into Barcelona's team. I feel if if Xavi does happen to bring in, you know, someone from Qatar, I can imagine Barcelona being quite happy to do that. Considering they'll be dirt cheap, it'll bring in a shitload of money. Considering, I mean, Qatar play, pays white people to like be fans. I mean, do Barcelona not already have quite a um, a strong business relationship with Qatar because they were sponsored by Qatar Airways for a long time, weren't they? True, but I guess having 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 more money from uh, the Qatari Sports Federation would certainly go down quite well. They'd probably get a fair bit, you know, extra money from it too. I mean, he's not stupid, so I assume he'd only bring over players from his former club that that were either half decent or willing to not earn a wage. Which yeah. is ironic because I'm sure they can find a job with no wage somewhere in Qatar anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for 4-4 Brew's official coverage of the Qatar. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
fear in me. But, I don't know, yeah, the, the most Salah thing makes, yeah, absolutely no sense. I mean, with all due respect, who'd want to go to Barca at the moment? They're in turmoil, they've got no money. At the moment, they are just a name. But I think as a player, you're in a strong position of power. In theory, if Mo Salah could negotiate like a two-year contract, maybe even three, he's pretty much in control of his immediate future, even though he signs. Or he just signs even a one-year contract. Yeah. Because he might run out of contract next season, right? Yes, that's right, I think. There has been one more managerial appointment, unbelievably, since we last recorded. Eddie Howe joined Newcastle. Oh, yeah, he's actually started, hasn't he? I hate the move so much. I hate it. <laughs> Why? Well, Eddie Howe's a... I'm not, I'm not saying he's not a good manager. I think he's a perfectly fine manager. I think Everton would have been a far better choice for him. Say, if Rafa Benitez will lose a job in the next five weeks, which I think he will if they lose the Merseyside derby. But he famously can't make a defence work. Do you know, I right? was questioning that in my own head. Because, apart from Nathan Ake, who did Bournemouth have in the defence when he was manager? It was immediately no one, but... I, like, I you're looking at I a mean, Norwich-level defence that they had, I reckon, in terms oh, of Oh, no, no, it was like a, it, it was, it was like a mid-table championship-level yeah. defence. It was poor. And he kept them up for many years. On the attack. They conceded, like, more, well over 60 goals a yeah. season for every year he was in the Prem. Mm. And obviously the Newcastle defenders he has are better than, like, Charlie Daniels and, like, whoever else. I don't care. <laughs> like, Steve Cook, that was one. Steve Cook was a midfielder. No, that's Lewis Cook. <laughs> Never mind. That's only those two cooks. But I guess I would spoil the broth. I was about to say. Uh, <laughs> he's really, really going to have to maximise that attack. And that, which is also quite bare bone. It, it's, good, it's such a difficult job. I really do think Newcastle are going to be like, rock. I think they'll be behind Norwich. Really? Him and Ryan Fraser are back together, though. The band. I know, but I can, I can just imagine them shipping so many goals. Not behind Like, Norwich. so many. Don't, I don't, don't. know. I don't think they'll end up behind Norwich. I think they will get relegated. I think they're about to be a very, very rich championship side. But I don't think they'll end up behind Norwich. Well, <laughs> despite your your lack of optimism surrounding him, he could have a very easy start to life uh, at Newcastle because their next game in the, the first set of Premier League fixtures we're going to be greeted to after this international break is against Brentford, who in their last two games lost both to Burnley and Norwich, right, to give each of those their first wins of the campaign. Yeah, they've had a bit of a fall from grace, as it were, Brentford. They had a very good start to their first Premier League season, now they're in a bit of a bad run. Yeah, and that, other than that Newcastle-Brentford game, not too much to, to, to get excited about in the coming weekend, Premier League-wise at least. I think that... Arsenal-Liverpool is going to be a bit of a tasty game. See, I know what you mean, and rationally I'd say the same, but I can just remember... You mean Salah's licking his Yeah, I can remember so many games down the years where Arsenal have gone to Anfield and been handed their arse on a plate that I could so feasibly see it being another sort of 5-1 situation. Yeah, I mean, it it may well be... You know, roast into glasses, but I, I think Arsenal have a bit of a sniff here. Liverpool have to bounce back from their first defeat since April mm-hmm. at West Ham. Um, but Arsenal are on what is it like ten games now in all competitions? In all competitions, yeah, eight in the Prem. Yeah, so 
they are on a bit of a good run at the moment, although they did only beat Watford one Yeah, with a, with a bit of a dodgy goal. Yeah, and on the other side of that result we just mentioned, Watford-Arsenal, um, if Watford feel they have a point to prove, especially with Dean Smith at the helm now, they're going to be proving it at home to a Manchester United side that's still managed by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. So that could be um, interesting. Not, not Dean Smith. Fucking, oh yeah, fuck, they're both yellow, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah. Well, Norwich may and they, still and have they, a point and to also prove. Got, and Watford have also got a new manager. For once, actually, this is a game where Watford <laughs> have the same manager as they had for their last game, so I wouldn't make that point yeah. personally. He's relatively he new. Is, he is still been, relatively new. His time in charge is still being measured in weeks. Yes. Um, but no, irrespective of the managerial uh, position up at that club, whoever is against Man United while Solskjaer still has the job and the the sort of emotions surrounding Old Trafford are that negative must be delighted to be playing them. Yes. I mean God is it's just like there's a managerial merry round going on right now, which <laughs> by the you way have this blog out by tomorrow night when I've edited this. <laughs> that that is a joke. Uh, which four four brew listeners could happily enjoy on the blogging up motion Medium. in the coming week <laughs> in the which 4-4 brew listeners could happily enjoy on the app medium medium uh, in the coming week as I'm currently writing a fun article on the, the manager in Regaround and all the upcoming appointments and how they rank not just 4-4 brew listeners anyone can well, listen yeah. to the, anyone can read the, the no. blog uh, no they can't <laughs> the blog on medium <laughs> although, although how anyone else would have found it I don't know um, I actually am I... think we've finally exhausted the past two weeks headlines am I going to be permitted 30 seconds to talk about women's yes football? that's the other thing we want to be talking about right counting right three two one go <laughs> Arsenal versus Tottenham was a very poor game when it came to the referee who was fucking dogshite. It was genuinely the worst refereeing I've ever seen. And she is, I feel really passionately she's done a disservice to the women's game. As Chelsea manager mentioned at the start of the season, the standards in the WSL need to be better really to sort of bring them up in line with the men's game if they're going to be taken seriously. And refereeing like that is just not going to help. It was the worst, genuinely the worst ref I've ever seen. It made me so angry. In other news, uh, Chelsea beat Manchester City 4-0 to now go within just one point of Arsenal at the top of the league after their disappointing draw with Spurs. Um, Spurs, I assume, remain in third. Man City having a very poor season despite coming second last year. Man United drew one all with someone, I think. Yeah, they drew with Everton. And that's it! (laughs) And that is is women's football covered definitively. I can't actually remember the... um... The plan we set out prior to starting recording. But if we do move into this week's new segment, I'll be keeping us on women's football, would you believe it? Uh, So without further ado, this week's new segment is people who have had weeks that only Michael Vaughan would envy. Oh! (laughs) Cricket! He mentioned cricket! Yes, because it's racist! (laughs) Yeah. It's not a good thing. No, to be... Anything to get cricket on the podcast, but no, Michael Vaughan, I'm very disappointed in you. And also the entirety of the Yorkshire Cricket yeah, Club. Yeah, and, and the rest of and the rest of Yorkshire Cricket Club, but uh, Michael Vaughan in particular. But anyway, to get back to the point that I wanted to raise, yes, go on. someone who has had a really bad week is uh, PSG women's footballer 
Aminata Diallo. Oh, fuck, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel that is just incredibly unfortunate considering the circumstances were quite, you know, unconfirmed when she was arrested for yeah. it. And I think what, it's come out recently that, you know, funnily enough, she didn't actually assault <laughs> her teammate. It was one of the teammate's ex-partners, if I'm correct. Oh, I don't know. Well, I saw that she's been released without charge. I thought the story was that she had paid... Yes, two masked men. To, yes, ele- to she'd allegedly put a hit out on on her teammate, basically, to eliminate opposition in the team. But no, released without yeah. charges now. But I'm sure still quite a stressful week. Going away from the criminal theme, anyone? Leah Williamson's been injured. Oh, I saw that. I th- I was gonna I was gonna put you in uh, this list that will from now on just be referred to as Team of the Weekend. Oh, well, you were going to put me in Team of the Weekend because my favourite football players got injured. Uh, another injury this week. Another another individual who's suffered an injury and therefore had a bad week is Louis van Gaal. Uh, has been involved yeah. in a bike accident, uh, resulting in a hip injury. So he's been going round uh, Netherlands training before their game, which is tonight, as of the day of recording, in like a golf buggy, I think. <laughs> oh, that's quite funny. My other suggestions, uh, give, we've already mentioned the poor weeks that Italy and Portugal have had, um, yeah. but individuals in particular, Jorginho. Oh, fuck, he skied a penalty. Which would have won them yeah. the game and qualified them top of the group, had it gone in. Mm. And Pepe got sent off in Portugal's first draw of the week, which obviously contributed some way to them also only being able to be a qualifier. What was that for? I think it was two yellows. How was it? Oh. I can't remember. I remember seeing that it happened. I can't remember what it was. You, you know, I'd also like to think about San Marino, but I feel kind of bad just putting them there. Yeah, I vaguely considered like, the guy that got sent off, but even that, he's probably had a better week than like, the rest it, of them. Gen, it's like a pub team. Like, it might as well be a pub team who are quite well, When they select the national team, do they just gather the entire population in the park? <laughs> <laughs> Whoever makes it through makes it through. It must be like the university football trials. I'd actually imagine our uni team's better than them. So yeah, I don't, cool. as, as weeks go for San Marino, I can't expect it. In, in fact, didn't their manager say before the game that England could be in the position to score 20 goals? If anything, they've had a pretty good game. As it goes for individual performances, I only watched the England games, so other than that referee from the Women's North London derby, who genuinely never referee a game in, again in your life because you don't deserve it, apart from her, I can't think of anyone else to add, really. Well, we're staying with San Marino, sort of, because they've inspired our shit talk topic this week. Oh. Jim, do you want to introduce it? Yeah, so in in honour of England's 10-0 victory, our shit talk topic for this week is just games with massive scorelines. So that could be absolute batterings, like the England game, or draws that have just had an extraordinary amount of goals, you know, five all draws. So what, what games oh. sprung to mind? I mean, I would like to start off, start that off actually with the only five all draw in Premier League history, and that is Man United v West Brom on Alex Ferguson's last day in charge. I think that's that's a great game. I read, I've read Fergie's autobiography, and it's the only football book apart from Zatan's. Actually, read that uh, a while ago, but he said to this day it's his favourite game. Wow, he's he's managed. Uh, I thought of that. I mean, it was his final games. So I guess that helps, but another. Ferguson game that I have noted down. One so infamous that it has his own Wikipedia article 
uh, which is a game that was played on my 10th birthday. Uh, Manchester United 8, <laughs> Arsenal 2. <laughs> I, I, I had that one down also. Yeah, well, do you want to hear some, some cool observations slash facts about this game? Yeah, go on then. Well, mainly I've got some notes about the Arsenal team. So it included a young Carl Jenkinson, who got sent off. Isn't that the guy in an idiot's abroad? No, that's Carl Pilkington. I know. <laughs> that's Carl Pilkington and it's an idiot abroad. After Johan Jury, uh, at left back, uh, was Armand Traore, who, following the 8-2, never played for the club again and was swiftly sold to QPR. And Francis Cochran, a very young Francis Cochran, who, in spite of making a bit of a career for himself at Arsenal and subsequently Villarreal, uh, was pretty mm. shit then. Uh, and this resulted yeah. in Arsenal, like I said, this was 28th of August. Well, my birthday. There you go. You know my birthday now. Um, Doxing. So Get him doxed. There was only another three days or two days of the transfer window after this game. But in spite of that, Arsenal and Arsene Wenger went out and signed sensational striker from Monaco, Park Chu Young. Left back from Fenerbahce. Andre Santos, and more seriously, Permat Saka from Werder Bremen as a centre-back, Mikel Arteta in midfield from Everton, and Yossi Benayoun on loan from Chelsea. I guess other uh, famous losses I'd like to note, a Man United 6-1 loss to Man City, Ooh, which yeah. handed them City their first league title in quite a long time, or effectively did. The two absolute pounding Southampton received within a year from Leicester and Man uh, Man United equally yes. I think the Premier League record each time uh, yes the Leicester beat the Premier League le- record and Man U equaled mm-hmm. it that was it other games I'd like to bring up uh, the very recent Chelsea 7 Norwich nil. I have uh, that was quite, that's quite entertaining relatively recent well very recent actually uh, two games on the same day from the last European Championships what a day it was where Spain beat Croatia 5-3 in extra time um, in the afternoon fixture and then France-Switzerland was 3-0 with Switzerland going through on penalties in the evening so a high scoring day that one if not particularly high scoring in the individual games compared to the others we're talking about uh, a couple of seasons ago I've got Bayern Munich uh, winning 7-2 away at Spurs where Serge Gnabry yeah. scored 4 which at that point meant that he had scored more goals at Spurs' new ground than Harry Kane had. Uh, can I also bring up, please, the biggest international, or one of the biggest professional footballing defeats of all yes. time. I think it is actually the biggest defeat. Probably. Uh, so, I believe it's uh, AS at 149. Yes. What? Uh, Stade Olympique de Emmerine, nil. I've never heard of this. Uh, this is in a Mal- Ma- Madagascan League game. <laughs> yeah. I heard about this ages ago. The, um... So, Madagascar, you can you can fill it in, Jim. I've already had. I was going to say the, well, the the losing team because it was I, I believe it was their derby game. I think they're their big rivals, but they yeah. they threw the game, hence the scoreline of one hundred and forty something, one hundred forty nine was it either? The latter. Yes, they were protesting uh, refereeing decisions. I believe that hadn't gone their way in some previous games. They believed that they were being. Um, the, the referees were being biased against them or something so to protest 
they, I assume I haven't actually seen it I assume they just took to the field and then just stood there so in protest oh. they threw the game and lost lost 149 to nil when you started introducing that I thought you were going to be mentioning Australia 31 American Samoa nil in 2001 which I think is oh, the highest yeah. scoring international game ever although I can't I, 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 on, I had the opportunity to watch the highlights and I thought you know what I can't be bothered that's a lot of goals that I just can't be bothered to watch. An international match that I actually did watch, which I absolutely love to recall, is Brazil's 7-1 defeat to Germany in the 2014 World Cup semi-final, which I'm sure we all that remember. Is, that is a good game. That is a good game. And this is another one that is so infamous that it has a Wikipedia page. Admittedly, Brazil was slightly weakened in their, in their team without Neymar. Uh, who, in fact, where the seventh goal was scored by Germany, Neymar turned off his telly because he was at home with his back injury and just went to play poker. And also, uh, the the fun facts about that game, 7-1, as a quote, now has a metaphor uh, meaning in Brazil for a, a devastating defeat. And in quotation marks again, goal for Germany is now an exclamation that someone makes after a mishap, according to the Wikipedia page. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Brazilian culture has been changed forever by that defeat. Yes. I had tried to look for, in honour of the 10-goal victory, games with 10 goals in. Okay. So I had the, the United 8 Arsenal 2 mm-hmm. on my list, of course. I, I remember that vividly. I remember spending two weeks in school just constantly being followed around by the phrase oh I'd hate to be an Arsenal fan right now <laughs> very very vivid memories they don't keep me awake at night anymore <laughs> I also had um, Tottenham 9 Wigan 1 yeah with a Peter Crouch goal in the ninth minute and 4 goals goals for Jermaine Defoe On another Tottenham 1 Tottenham 6 Reading 4 from 2007 Ooh. oh you've reminded yeah. me having said Reading did Arsenal beat Reading 7-5 in the League Cup once I think they might have done. I think they might have. I know someone. There's a Reading, Reading score involving the score line seven five. Arsenal seven, Reading five. I know they beat Newcastle seven three in 2012. Oh, I remember that one. Walcott hat trick. And as I've already mentioned, the United West Brom five all draw. And I believe that wraps it up for. I have a final big score lines. Anecdotal story of my own, actually. Either me and you. Oh, cool! So that's uh, that's us done. That's us done. Uh, <laughs> Either and I have been involved when, for the one season we did play football together in some batterings, but uh, that was only half a season of losing every game. Oh. I actually, for a team I played for long before that, when I was I don't know like thirteen odd maybe, uh, for two whole seasons my team went every game losing. And I remember at least twice losing 11 nil. Jesus Bet you don't Christ. get that on the Peter Crouch podcast. Bet he's never lost it 11 nil. But I'm trying to find the, the, some of the scores from the youth league. <laughs> but I, I, I do remember some absolute pumpings. <laughs> to be fair, I think some we were involved humpings. in a really high scoring game, right? The one where you nearly broke someone's leg. I, oh, that was 6-5. Yeah. That was a 6-5. But I remember the the I think we'd lost loads and loads in a row. Then I'd uh, I think I was injured. I was away. It was at the point where we were conceding between five and ten goals oh, yeah. a game. And then as as goalkeeper, I was injured for two weeks and went out. And then one of our outfield players played in goal. And then we 
one two one and then one ten nil, and I've never felt so demoralised <laughs> in my life. It was awful. I'd like, feel worse the genuine for, humiliation. for the player though, because they've just been removed from outfield, and we've scored loads of goals or done better in, really? in some way. Actually, no, I'd I still feel worse. You really for you, feel worse for them. <laughs> It was, a, it was a trying time. It was a very, very trying time. But they're, they're good days now. And hopefully with uh, my university team, I shall be playing excellently. Well, I'm sure everyone listening can echo that sentiment. Moving on to just 59 yeah. seconds, shall we? Yeah, go on. Fair few things still on the wheel this week. I wasn't sure what we were going to be talking about. So it's, it's the classic. It's Jim against Diver with Jim going first. Okay, are you ready? Are you ready to hear your topic? Yeah, go on. I'm With indeed. Jim starting Who first, he has just 59 seconds to talk without hesitation, deviation from the topic or the truth, or repetition about Danny Alves on my count. Oh. Three, two, one, go. Danny Alves is a Brazilian footballer. You. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's not even tactical play this week. That's I'm, literally all you know about him. <laughs> Off the top of my head, yeah. Okay, well, it's over to either then. I'm not going to waste any time here. Three, two, one, go. So Danny Alves is a Brazilian right back who played for Barcelona for a multiple amount of years. He is one of the <laughs> highest trophy scoring right backs in footballing history and Brazilian history for that matter. He has played for the Brazilian national team for a number of years, participating in the 2014 World Cup where Brazil sadly got knocked out at the at home to a very confident Germany side who beat them 7-1. Danny Elves has since left Barcelona after putting up sensational attacking numbers. He played under under spoiler there, sorry. Pep Guardiola. That's gotta be a sensation then. I was going to allow the swallow, <laughs> but not the I had to swallow there, sorry. If you just pause it for a second. Nope. <laughs> nah, I, uh, I don't want you to be doing any dark arts and deliberately winding the clock down. I would never, I'd never. Did, did I ever mention any other clubs other than Barcelona? Uh, wouldn't you like to I know? I currently haven't, although have, oh, you okay. looked, have you looked them up? Because I do know one club Danny Alves yeah, well, played for, which care. is whether... Uh, Jim. No, as in I'm We're counting you back wondering in. whether he does. Okay, three, two, one, go. I am reasonably confident that Danny Alves also played for Juventus. And it's going to go back to Ivor. <laughs> <laughs> he did play for Juventus, I think. So, so it's it's not for deviation from the truth that it's back over, but just hesitation slash stopping talking. Uh, Ivor, when you're ready and start talking, I will restart. Danny Alves has also played for Sevilla. And at Sevilla, he put up confident attacking numbers, which and that is just fifty-nine seconds. Get it? It's another win for Ivor on the board. The people's champ is well and truly back. Danny Alves, obviously, in the news because he's gone back to Barcelona this week, joining Xavi, which I'm surprised neither of you mentioned, to be honest. How did I know about bringing some obscure Qatari players over? But I hadn't heard about that. You'd not. Oh yeah, he's, no. he's, uh, he's otherwise back. I would have mentioned well. it. <laughs> Thirty-eight, I think he is now, and he's back at Barcelona. Yeah, I'll quickly run through the rest of the ah, the wheel. So sorry, to, so, sorry to go back Never very quick. One of the many results, my football, my f- football team in year year thirteen 
received was a 3-9 loss to another club called <laughs> Rangers. <laughs> I don't think I played in that one. I, I don't think I did either. <laughs> anyway, anyway, yeah, rest of the wheel. Uh, sticking with Barcelona, I had Usman Dembele, who I think just before Xavi was appointed as manager, had just played his first game for a very long time following an injury. And then in his first training session after that game, got injured again. <laughs> nice. That's unfortunate. Also, David Moyes, who since we last recorded, I believe, has notched up his thousandth managerial appearance. He has. That one was in the Europa League for West Ham yeah. uh, before he made Impressive. appearance number 1001 in the Prem. And finally, I had Middlesbrough written down, who on a similar theme, sacked Neil Warnock after he'd made his thousand and something managerial appearance to become the, I think, longer, like the, the manager in EFL history with the most games, basically. Right. Um, they sacked him and now they've got Chris Wilder, who's back in a job for oh, Middlesbrough. Yeah. Nice. I hadn't seen that with all, the, with all the other managerial news going on that had managed to pass me by well you're welcome nice would you like to hear some good news sure always a full, full brew. Uh, the football team Matt and I played for in year 13 never lost or never conceded more than 10 goals really or 10 goals or more in, in no. one game Big, the biggest loss was 9-1 I cannot believe that those stats are readily available on <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh I had to do a bit of hunting but <laughs> I'm not surprised um, I guess we'll call that a day then. Yeah, I've, I've got nothing else burning inside of me to, to, to let out no. about football. Yeah, I don't think I've... Neither, I'm all out. I've had my rant about the women's referee. Oh, sure. Um, we've covered the managers. I can't think of anything else I wanted to talk Let's about. Let's go on to beer reviews then. How did you find it on the unfamiliar non-Brewdog turf? It's It was surprisingly decent for what I assume is a very cheap beer. <laughs> Not to call my dad a cheap man, but he ordered it from Moonpig for fuck's sake. I assume it was a cheap beer, so it was it was serviceable. I'd drink it again, but I would choose other beers. I take it either your Galahad was up to scratch last time. I I tell you what, it was a trip down memory lane. <laughs> uh, all, all, all the beautiful memories, or lack thereof, came flashing back <laughs> to me. And I had, I had a lovely experience drinking my, my faithful Galahad. Thank you. And your your obscure coconut stout, Matt. Yeah, um, it's been quite nice. I'm slowly turning to, to to like stouts a little bit. Although, I was expecting it to actually taste a bit coconutty, but it just tastes like a normal stout to me. Mm. Can you tell he goes to Oxford? <laughs> Why? Oh yeah, this coconut stout was divine. No, it was um, probably a, a five out of ten. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> I feel quite flat now. Um, and that's 4-4 Brew for this week. As previously mentioned, do check out the new um, blog. Medium.com forward medium. slash at 4.4.brew with each word having a capital as its first letter. Excellent. Go That's the link. It may well sound like Matt's cut that in afterwards, but no, he did just shout over Yes. Me. Um, and if for some bizarre reason you are not already following the Instagram, go ahead and find that as well. It's 44Brew with two W's on the end of Brew because 44Brew was taken. See you later. Thank you very much. See you guys later. Bye. Love you all.